Hey, and welcome to the very first installment of PEM Currents, where we're going to be bringing you the latest literature and clinical updates in pediatric emergency medicine in podcast format. And we don't want to bog you down with too much statistical analysis or EBM talk, so don't worry about Mann-Whitney U-tests or the difference between type 1 and type 2 errors. And if I tell you something is or isn't statistically significant in a paper, just go with me. Um, going through the numbers can get real boring real quickly, as we all know. Um, we know your time is limited and valuable, so our goal is to provide you with a brief summary of recent literature to hopefully expand your education and maybe change your clinical practice. Listen to us on your desktop, download us, and listen in the car, on your phone, or MP3 device, or while you work out. Get your learn on on your own time whenever you have a few minutes. And certainly feel free to contact us at pemcincinnati.com podcasts if you have suggestions or requests for topics. We hope to be available on iTunes soon and should have any articles discussed, linked on the site with the podcast. My name is Ted Brankert, PZD faculty and your host. And please excuse the production quality of this uh, first track. Um, as I'm still learning, it's work in progress. It'll get better, I promise. So on to our first topic. And this topic was inspired by a recent article I had read uh, in Clinical Pediatrics this past October entitled Parental Preference for Short versus Long-Course Corticosteroid Therapy in Children with Asthma Presenting to the Pediatric ED. And the study was by uh, Kelly Williams and a few others and is out of Medical University of South Carolina down in Charleston. And it's not much, uh, not so much the study itself that's the topic of today's podcast, but more the underlying argument. What's better for our asthma patients that are being discharged from the emergency department? Four to five days of prednisone or one to two days of dexamethasone? And that's what we're going to try and tackle today. So first off, why do we use steroids in acute asthma? Well, it's been shown to reduce hospitalizations, especially if given within the first hour. It reduces airway edema and secretions associated with asthma exacerbations and reduces bounce backs. Plus, it's included in the NIH guidelines of asthma management, so it's probably a good idea to use them. So in the study I mentioned, they approached uh, parents of children that were presenting to the ED with an acute asthma exacerbation and asked the parental preference for the steroid course um, at discharge. And it wasn't specifically what steroid they would use, but rather would they prefer their child to receive one to two days of steroids for their asthma flare or a five-day course. And not surprisingly, the, the vast majority, or 88% in this case, chose the shorter course of therapy, as we all would, assuming, uh, assuming that the two regimens were equally effective. And there was no significant association between the parent's preference and the age of the child, or between the preference and the cost of the medicine, or whether the, the parents had to pay for their child's asthma meds or not. In all situations, parents have a shorter course. And uh, the, the authors argue that this should remove another barrier to the physician's prescribing of DEX for acute asthma exacerbations. So we're going to look at those perceived barriers and try and evaluate what's the best practice uh, for these patients. Certainly here uh, at Cincinnati Children's in the ED, the vast majority of patients that are seen for acute asthma exacerbations receive prednisone or prednisolone as their systemic steroid. And they usually get a dose between 1 and 2 mg per kg per day, for a total of five days with the first dose given in the ED. And is there a problem with this? Well, maybe, and here's a few. First is the taste of the medicine. Prednisolone is notorious for having a horrible taste. In fact, this was actually looked at and published by ISA in the American Journal of Emergency Medicine in 2001. Um, they looked at parental pre preference as well, and initially said, would you, rather have, would you rather have your child get IM versus oral? Uh, steroids, and then of those who chose oral, it was pretty split between IM and oral. Of those who chose chose oral, 93% um, wanted a more concentrated formula, so a less um, smaller overall volume. However, when they put those par parents then through a taste test, 
um, the those choosing the less concentrated higher volume formula rose from only 3% to up to 58% of parents. So obviously uh, taste was a factor for those parents and I would expect it to be for the two-year-old over in bed five who just puked all over the nurse after getting a dose. So the second problem potentially is adherence to a four to five day course of medication. Back in 2004, Butler and Cooper published a paper in pediatric emergency care looking at, at, at adherence to oral prescriptions um, oral steroids prescriptions specifically from the ED and pediatric asthma patients. They followed patients that were 2 to 17 years old and that were seen in the ED for an exacerbation and then conducted a phone interview with those patients 7 to 9 days later to assess whether the prescription was ever filled, how many doses the child received, and what were the barriers to ad adherence. In the of the patients that did receive the prescriptions, they were all for 4 or 5 days uh, length, so the same thing that uh, most places do. And they found that over a third or 36% of patients did not adhere to the length of the prescription. And this was assessed by parental or patient recall. So it could be even higher, as I'm sure there were some parents or patients that didn't want to look like they weren't following doctor's orders. So may have uh, you know, said, yeah, sure, my kid took all five days of, of that medicine. Um, also, females and adolescents were significantly less likely to ever fill the prescription in the first place. So we now have a medicine that tastes horribly, is poorly adhered to, with more than a third of patients not finishing a course, and has a decent frequency of associated vomiting with attempted administration. So how well are we actually getting this medication into, into the patient for the intended length of the course? Well, here's where I would say that DEX is an overall superior choice in the treatment of these patients. There's been a few articles that have shown DEX's equivalence to prednisone in the treatment of pediatric patients with mild to moderate asthma exacerbations. And a, a group led by Qureshi over in Nor Norfolk uh, demonstrated this in 2001 in the Journal of Pediatrics. In a prospective randomized trial of more than 500 pediatric patients aged 2 years to 18 years, they, patients were given either two daily doses of an oral DEX, um, with the dose of DEX being 0.6 mg per kg and a max of 16 mg. So that's the same dose we give for croup, just a different uh, max. Or patients received five days of oral prednisone two mg per kg on the first day and one mg per kg each day after with a max of 60. And their primary outcome was the presence of relapse within 10 days of the initial ED visit. And by relapse, they mean an unscheduled visit to a medical facility or a, a physician. Um, and there was no significant difference between those two groups. They also looked at it, um, they also looked at and found no significant difference in hospitalizations from the ED, hospitalizations after relapse, or symptom persistence at 10 days. So the groups were simple, similar in their initial asthma severity, the amount of albuterol they were given in the ED, the amount they needed at home after discharge from the ED, and the only noted significant difference was the incidence of vomiting requiring removal from the study, and that occurred in 3% of prednisone patients versus 0.3% of DEX patients, the p-value of 0.008. So it's important to note in this study, though, that the DEX patients did receive a prepackaged dose at time of ED discharge to take the next day, um, whereas the prednisone patients were given a prescription to go ahead and fill. So I'm sure the adherence between the two groups wasn't, wasn't equal. Um, however, there are other studies that suggest that DEX short-term is no worse than prednisone, and, and this thought of non-inferiority or essentially no worse than was studied by Altamini in uh, pediatric emergency care in 2006. And a similar group of patients, this time there were 67 patients in each arm, got either a single dose of DEX, point, again 0.6 mg per kg, this time though with a max of 18, 
um, and then four days of placebo to that, or five days total of prednisone, one mg per kg, um, with a max of 30 given BID for their exacerbation. And they were followed by phone, uh, by phone at 48 hours and reevaluated um, at day five in the emergency department. And their primary outcome was a, a time to return to baseline on a patient self-assessment score. And the self-assessment score tool is part of NIH guidelines and has the, the parent assess the child's symptoms such as cough, wheezing, activity, and sleep disturbance. Um, so they had a, a score at time of presentation, and then how quickly did that score get back to the, to the child's baseline. Um, while relying on a parental interpretation of a child's wheezing isn't ideal, it was applied to both groups, and it's endorsed by the NIH panel of experts, so it's hard to argue the paper's use of it. Um, and in using that score, both groups returned uh, to baseline within the same time period, just over five days. The patients were similar in their severity of asthma presentation as well as the amount of beta agonists that they needed both in the ED and after discharge. Thus, these authors concluded that a single dose of DEX was no less effective to five days of prednisone. And finally, a group out of Salt Lake City led by Greenberg performed a prospective randomized double-blind study with two days of DEX at 0.6 mg per kg with a max of 16 and then given placebo versus prednisone, two mg per kg max of 80 on day one, one mg per kg BID max of 60 for the four remaining days, and look, again looked at relapse at 10 days. And while this was a smaller study, it was, it was not powered sufficiently with only 38 patients in the prednisone group and 51 in the DEX group, but they weren't able to find a significant difference either in unscheduled follow-up visits by 10 days. Um, they also weren't able to find a difference in the incidence of vomiting in the ED. Of note, in this group, or in this study, patients in the DEX group were shown to be slightly sicker upon presentation with a higher pediatric asthma score of uh, 8 versus 6. Other studies have looked at IM DEX versus prednisone in kids or oral DEX versus prednisone in adults, and they all show similar results. Essentially, that there's no superiority to prednisone over DEX in the treatment of mild to moderate asthma exacerbations. Um, additionally, the shorter length of therapy with DEX, thanks to a longer half-life, and the improved Improved taste argue that it's a better option for pa most patients. And finally, cost. While per dose prednisone tablets are cheaper, the prolonged course makes DEX a less expensive option. Assuming a maximum dose is prescribed, an additional day of DEX from a local pharmacy is $3.72. And these are cash price prices, so it may be different with uh, insurance and, and those sorts of things. Um, if you prescribe another four days of prednisone tablets, that cost is $8.22. And if you give 60 milligrams of uh, 15 mils, milligrams per teaspoon of prednisolone uh, for four days for that 16-year-old offensive lineman who swears he can't swallow tabs, um, that's going to cost him $15.72. So $15.72 versus $3.72. And in patient populations that are requesting prescriptions for Tylenol and Motrin, every dollar counts. In the end, it seems that DEX is a reasonable choice in the use of mild to moderate asthma exacerbations in the ED. And a dose of 0.6 milligrams per kilogram with a max of 16 in the emergency department and again the following day is as effective, cheaper, and hopefully allows the patient to be more compliant with our recommended therapy course. If you're worried about formulations, there's a couple of options. There is a solution of 0.5 milligrams per 5 ml that is very commonly uh, available at area pharmacies. This is a very low concentration, though, so it would result in a large uh, volume. 
there's another more concentrated formula, one milligram per ml, um, that is a little more sparse in its, its presence in, in area pharmacies. The good news is that dexamethasone tablets are extremely small. They can be uh, crushed and added to applesauce or pudding, and that's how actually uh, some of, a couple of the papers administered the doses, and it's very well tolerated in this form. So that's the end of the first episode of PEM Currents. Thanks for listening, and again, don't hesitate to contact us at www.pemcincinnati/podcasts if you have questions or you want to request an article or topic to discuss. See you next time.